Warning, this podcast contains foul language, sexual situations, and discussions of drugs and drinking. Yeah. Hi, and welcome to the Fuck Shakespeare podcast. Just want to make sure that you're in the right place. Did you come here for porn? (coughs) Sorry, thank you for playing. You need to leave. If you're a student and you're being forced to fucking read fucking Shakespeare and you don't understand why and you need to get a good grade and it's like speaking some language that you don't speak and you don't understand, you are in the right place. Teachers, we are okay with you being here too, but we might insult you a little bit. Sorry. Okay, everybody. Enjoy. I'm Diana. And I'm Erin. And this is Fuck Shakespeare. Fuck Shakespeare. And we are today going to tackle Act 1, Scene 4, which is this insane scene with um, Mercutio going on and on about some fairy queen. Hey, right. Um, (laughs) So we just want to, at the uh, top here, tell you something. It's very humid in New York today, and being closed in this booth is making us sweat. So we have um, our two doors open so that hopefully some air conditioning will come in. So you may hear dogs breathing, dogs barking, um, any number of weed whackers noises. We're just apologizing at at the outset. It's okay. It's like Shakespeare. We're bringing in the present day. That's right. Into the play. And the dog that's breathing in the corner here, his name is? Benvolio. Yay. <laughs> his hot breath is coming up into my nostrils, though. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Benny, maybe go, maybe yeah. go lie down. Yeah. Go, go lie down. Go lie it's down, okay. Ben. <laughs> okay. All right. So um, this is actually the first scene where we meet Mercutio. So I know y'all have met Mercutio because you listened, hopefully, to episode two. But um, this is the first scene where we actually meet Mercutio, and he is, he's an incredible party guy. And in this scene, he's dragging Romeo to a party. Because he's tired of Romeo mooning over Rosalind. Oh, my God, they're all tired of it. So oftentimes when I've directed it, I've directed it with a bunch of boys on stage who all groan every time Romeo starts talking. They're like, oh, my God, not again, (laughs) not again. Because he mopes around and moans her name. Rosalind. It's like Stella. (laughs) Do you guys know about Streetcar Named Desire? Streetcar, (laughs) yeah. Okay. Good. Um, so we actually skipped over the scene in the beginning of the play, Act 1, Scene 2, where Benvolio and Romeo are talking about this party. And Benvolio is like, enough with the moaning. Uh, how about you come to this party with me tonight? And it's kind of like they're going to crash the party. Right, because it's a Capulet party. Yeah. The, the Montagues are not invited. Not invited, absolutely not. But they happen to run into a servant who has an invite list, and he's walking around town, knocking on people's doors and going, hey, there's an awesome party at the Capulets tonight. You're invited. Mm -hmm. And Romeo and Bernvolio get to see this list and read through it because the servant doesn't know how to read, so it's a wonderful um, device that Shakespeare stuck in there. Servant doesn't know how to read, so he's like, hey, can you read this for me? And they get to find out who's invited. And Mercutio is invited because Mercutio is related to the prince, actually. Right. So he's invited. And also, Rosalind. Rosalind's invited. Oh. And that's what convinces Romeo to go, okay, fine, I'll go crash the party. And Benvolio's like, oh my God, not her again. And he's like, well, fine, come and you will see that Rosalind, in the middle of all these other glittering, beautiful ladies, 
is going to look like a crow compared to swans. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about Mercutio. What's Mercutio? Who? Who? What? 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 What is? What is Mercutio? I feel like Madame Odio. Jeopardy says what for everything. What's Mercutio? So Mercutio is what, like we said in episode two, an older fellow, not old, old, but older than the boys, and he is um, someone who's been to war. Yeah. And we know that some people who've been to war come home and adopt um, the persona of the hero. And some people come home from war very damaged, don't ever want to talk about the war ever, ever again. Yeah, we have a lot of traumatized veterans who have a very rough time of it when they come home because they've seen things. We can't even imagine. Yeah, and that the average human is just never going to understand. And, And any human isn't really prepared for So Mercutio, it seems, is one of those, and so he spends his life trying to live his younger days again. Right. Right? Reclaim his happiness. Yeah. And his innocence. As if that stuff just never happened. Right. Yeah. So he's, right, we talk about how everybody in Shakespeare is flawed and damaged. This is his damage. Yeah. Right? So he, you know those people who are really wounded and... They become the class clown because that gets them positive attention rather than negative attention for their wound. Mercutio is that guy. Yeah. He's the class clown. Yeah. And he hangs out with younger guys because they are innocents. Yeah. And they're kind of non-threatening and, you know, they don't really know what the big stakes are in life, so it's fine. He doesn't have to talk about it. Right, and also they laugh at his jokes. Yeah. They find him really funny. Yeah, And as we mentioned, he has a big crush on Romeo. Yeah. So, you know, that's reason to hang out in that crowd for sure. He gets what he needs from hanging out with the young guys. Yeah. Um, so this scene, just similar to Act 2, Scene 4, starts with a battle of wits, only it's very uh, one-sided. Because Mercutio's trying to be like, hey, funny, funny. And Romeo's like, ugh. <laughs> 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 so, Mercutio is really battling this thing. <laughs> this is why I say Romeo is just an, I, I used a word I'm not going to use again in this episode, but he's really a... <sighs> Just a drag. He's yeah. a drag. He is. He needs to be motivated by a lot of people. Yeah. Um, so we're going to skip a little bit at the beginning and start at line 11. Uh-huh. And Romeo says, give me a torch. I am not for this ambling. Being but heavy, I will bear the light. Oh. So a little bit of opposites. Antithesis, like we talked about last episode. Yeah. So antithesis used for a little lame pun there, right? I'm heavy, meaning I'm heavy hearted. So I'll bear the light. I'll carry the torch. You guys can dance. Uh, nay, gentle Romeo, we must have you dance. Yeah, Mercutio's like, no, no, we're going to a dance. You're going to dance too. Let's go. Not I, believe me. You have dancing shoes with nimble soles. I have a soul of lead, so stakes me to the ground I cannot move. Another pun, but damn, he's mopey, right? Right. And so also, got... right, souls and soul. Mm-hmm. Right? So with nimble souls, meaning souls of shoes, I have a soul, in, you know, internal. In myself. In myself. Of lead. Heavy. Yeah, and, and so it keeps him onto the ground. He can't jump and dance and cavort. He can't gamble. Okay. Uh, 
You are a lover. Borrow Cupid's wings and soar with them above a common bound. Good, and bound is a double pun there too, because bound is like the borders of the earth, right? Mm -hmm. the, the atmosphere, but it's also to jump, right? Right. Whee! And Romeo picks up on the word soar. I am too sore and pierced with his shaft. So Mercutius said soar like fly, right. and he's like soar like ow. But then he puts in this word, and pierced with his shaft. <laughs> oh, and Mercutio's going to make have a great old time with this because that's going that's a little spicier, right? His shaft is like his dick. Right, and pierced. And pierced. Whoa. <laughs> Stuck in. Stuck in. So, I am too sore and pierced with his shaft to soar with his light feathers. And so bound, I cannot bound a pitch above dull. Whoa. So he's really tossing those puns back and forth and you could see that if he wasn't such a tiresome bastard that he would be fun he would be funny right, right? Yeah. to soar fly with his light feathers and so bound tied up, tied up. i cannot bound Jump. leap a pitch above dull woe yeah yeah under love's heavy burden do i sink He's obviously not really in love because he doesn't understand the beautiful and lightness of it either. Right. He's only experiencing the ugh. Right. right. I love her, but she doesn't look at me. But that's not love, that's right? Not what love. is that? Have you guys ever watched that that's show? Obsession. Are you the one? Uh, like, <laughs> oh. ser seriously. Because that's what Romeo is, right? He's like, he always falls for the same he type, of, type girl. of girl, yeah. right? And he doesn't know what love is. He doesn't even know what he's looking for. So he says he's sinking in love, like he's drowning. He's right. like in quicksand. Right. And to sink in it, should you burden love? Too great oppression for a tender thing. So, so sinking in it is like <laughs> sinking your dick in it. Should you burden it is like you will make it pregnant, right? right? You'll of give course. it a burden. You'll right. give it a burden. And too great oppression. So like pregnancy is kind of a... The punishment for sex in Mercutio's mm -hmm. eyes. Right, right, right. But also um, think about what oppression sounds like. Yeah, like pressing into a bed, bed, right? right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we're like 13-year-olds. Yeah, in our brains. We totally are. Yeah. That's why we can come up with this show. It's ridiculous. <laughs> And Romeo disagrees. Is love a tender thing? It is too rough, too rude, too boisterous, and it pricks like thorn. Oh, uh -oh. now he did it. He brought in the word prick. Shaft, prick, oh press, here we go. And then we've got all these kind of, you know, rough love um, words, rough and rude and boisterous. He's probably also alluding to Rosalind because she's just been a bitch to him. Yeah, right. right. Cousins, but not, you know. Not oh, kissing right. cousins. They're cousins. Not yes. kissing cousins. <laughs> okay. Um, if love be rough with you, be rough with love. Yeah, boy. Yeah. Prick love for pricking. <laughs> right? So, you know. Stick it to her. Stick it. Right. Prick <laughs> love for pricking and you beat love down. Right. And he's also maybe saying, just go jerk off somewhere because you're really tiresome. <laughs> yeah. So beating love down. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. you will feel better if you relieve yourself. Yeah. Trust me. Right. Give me a case to put my visage in. Good. So that actually means a mask for the face, right? right? Mm -hmm. Because they're going to a masked ball. Right. And visage is face. And visage is face. But it can also be condom and dick, right? <laughs> of course. Give me condom can to be. put my dick in. Right. <laughs> uh, a visor for a visor. 
What care I, what curious eye doth quote deformities? I don't care who's looking at me. Right, right? and also, what care I, me, what curious I, eyes, right? Yeah. So there he goes again. I, Full I, of puns. makes Full of puns. you listen. Um, here are the beetle brows shall blush for me. So he's probably putting on some cool mask with like some big eyebrows and some crazy things. Right, yeah. beetle. Beetle yeah. brows. He's a beetle. beetle he's brows. a beetle. Yeah. And Benvolio's like, oh my God, come on, guys. Come, knock and enter. And no sooner in, but every man, but take him to his legs. Let's start dancing. dancing. Right. <laughs> and then Romeo stalls some more. So every time Romeo, right, speaks, oh, come on. Mercutio says, let's just go, right? He's like, come, we burn daylight. Oh. Oh, let's go. And Romeo stalls some more. And his friends must be getting really pissed off at him by now. Or else maybe they've just started drinking and, like, fuck it. <laughs> yeah, these guys right. drink a lot. A lot, sure. Um, because they're young, you know, nobility, and what else do they have to do? <laughs> right, right. Write right. a few love poems and call right. it a day. So, Romeo, and we mean well in going to this mask, but tis no wit to go. It's not smart to ca- crash this party. We're going to get in trouble. Really? Why, may one ask? I dreamt a dream tonight. And so did I. Well, what was yours? That dreamers often lie. Oh, huh. so he thinks we're picking up on another set of puns. And Romeo's just happy enough to keep Mercutio there with the punning because he just doesn't want to go to right. this party, right? Right. He's nervous. So, dreamers lie yeah. in bed asleep while they do dream things true. And he's See? like, I get it. Another round of puns. Right. Lie as in not tell the truth. Lie right. as in be in bed. Right? Oh, then I see Queen Mab hath been with you. Ah, let's talk a little bit about Queen Mab. Okay. Queen Mab, this is actually the first literary reference to Queen Mab ever. So some people go, oh, Shakespeare made her up. But she was probably a figure of folklore. Oral tradition. Yeah. 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 Poems that he would have heard in his childhood um, in the in the forests of Stratford, you know, sitting around a, a fire and telling stories about this this fairy who comes in the night and changes your dreams. Right? But also, right? So not just poems, but maybe parents used Mab as a, you know, you better get in bed now. Yeah. Yeah. Or you know, be you better be good, or or Queen Mab is gonna come right. and the boogeyman. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I think Shakespeare's using it here because Mercutio is like you know mocking Romeo because Queen or Kean was a word for slut, and Mab was also a typical name of a kitchen slut. You know, uh, came from like Mabel, mm-hmm. which actually is um uh, from an Italian word amabile, which means lovely. So, you know, Mabel is a beautiful name. Backfired. <laughs> uh, she is the fairy's midwife, and she comes in shape no bigger than an agate stone. Good. So the fairy's midwife, midwife was? Someone who helped birth babies. Helped birth babies. So if she's the fairy's midwife, maybe that's saying, like, she helps birth dreams. Mm-hmm. And she comes in shape no bigger than agate stone. She's teeny. Teeny tiny. And agate stone is like a, a stone set into a ring. In, a sh- in shape no bigger than an agate stone on the forefinger of an alderman, drawn with a team of little atomies. Yeah, so she he starts going into this long description about what she looks like. Mm-hmm. And atomies is kind of a neat word because atoms were talked about and hypothesized about by Democritus, who was like, a, you know, like, I think, third century B.C. Roman um, philosopher 
And this kind of learning is just coming back in the Renaissance, right? Mm -hmm. Where they're starting to get access because of more distribution of books and things like that. They're starting to get access to all of these old texts. And so they're relearning some things that were learned lost, along, lost and learned a long time ago. Right. And so I want to stop here, right? Because the, the groundlings... Don't know shit about well, Adams. Well, you're right. They're not, they, <laughs> most of them aren't, don't read, right? Yeah. So they're, so they're listening to this poetry and listening for words that they know, right? Yeah. And the ass cushions... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, they actually know what an atom is. They can read. They can write. You know, so that they're experiencing this in a very different way than the groundlings are. Yeah. You were talking about like two different plays. Yeah. I feel like as I was reading this again, and I hadn't really thought about this before, but it really is like two very separate plays in that the people who are not well-read, who maybe don't read at all, who go to hear a play and who don't have a lot of money and are standing and whatever, they're having one very specific experience of this play. And Shakespeare has thrown in a lot of dick jokes for them, right? Yeah. And pussy jokes and sex jokes. But then if you go up to the ass cushions... They are hearing it as poetry. Yeah. They're hearing it as beautiful. And yeah. they're not thinking. I mean, maybe some of them are giggling behind their fans. Oh, he said prick. <laughs> but yeah. probably they're thinking pricked as, you know, a think about it. It's a really pretty sounding word, pricked. Like mm -hmm. sewing, like yeah. embroidery, like, you know, all sorts of lovely things. So, so it's like two different plays written by the same guy for two different audiences, but it's actually the same play. And all I, happening at the same time. I think that that's miraculous. And maybe that's another reason why we still read Shakespeare. Yeah, because it, it can appeal on many different levels. Right. All at the same time. Right. And that's a paper idea. Yeah. Right yeah. Right. Write it. Write it. <laughs> okay. If Sorry. you guys want to send us, you know, like things to read, we would love that actually. Oh yeah, we could yeah. we could ooh, we could read snippets of, of excellent essays, yeah, essays yeah, yeah. at the end of every episode. Oh, we'd love to do that, guys, as we go along in our Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, if yeah. you send it, we'll we won't read the whole thing. We'll pick one. Well right. And we promise we'll if you send it, we we'll will shout read you it. out. Yeah. yeah. Fine. Okay. Big, long description about her. Okay. Uh, drawn with a team of little atomies, athwart men's noses as they lie asleep, her wagon spokes made of long spinner's legs, spiders, the cover of the wings of grasshoppers, the traces of the smallest spider's web, the collars of the moonshine's watery beams, her whip of cricket's bone, the lash of film, her wagoners a small gray-coated gnat, not half so big as a round little worm, pricked from the lazy finger of a maid. Great. So we have this whole description. All the pieces of her carriage are made out of bits of, like, grasshopper wings and, and gorgeous, you know, pieces of spider webs and stuff like that, right? So it's tiny and it's delicate and it's gorgeous. Diaphanous. Right? Lovely, lovely description. And then he gets this word, this line, pricked from the lazy finger of a maid. And that is the way every editor has decided that this line goes. But what I found fascinating was if you look at the folio and if you hear me say this all the time you guys this is the version of the plays that was the first version that anybody ever got as a published version because it was the version 
that was taken directly from the way that Shakespeare wrote the plays. And this line in that version is the lazy finger, hyphenated lazy finger, of a man. So it's a very, very different thing. Yeah. The lazy finger of a maid. You think of like a, a kitchen slut who, who doesn't want to do the, the family sewing and she sticks her finger because she's not paying attention, right? And instead, the lazy finger... Is like a limp dick right. of a man, the lazy finger of a man. It's lazy probably because he has some kind of STD, can't get it up. Uh, <laughs> so, again, two different plays, hearing it very different ways, right. right? Her chariot is an empty hazelnut, made by the joiner squirrel or old grub. Time out of mind, the fairy's coachmakers. Now, if you are reading along or you look at this later, that is the first period. Right. As in punctuation. It's the first end stop in this entire fucking speech. Let's talk about what an end stop is. So it's the it's the major punctuation that will stop the flow of thought, right? Right. So when you look at the speeches, it's really interesting and useful to look like where are the periods or question marks, but question marks are generally an editor's, editor's choice. choice. And also exclamation, exclamation points, points, forget it. Yeah. That is p editors going, having a field day with the punctuation. Those things rarely existed in Shakespeare's time. Right. So take those with a grain of salt. They're probably not true. But periods, he understood. Period mm -hmm. means the end of a thought. This thought is like 15 lines long. It's gigantic. So when you're speaking this speech, perhaps, the idea is not to, like, take a huge breath and then go to the end of the thought with one breath, not at all, but the idea is to drive the energy to the end of that thought, and then you'll find what a gigantic thought it is, and how big and full and exciting Mercutio's brain is. Yeah, it's really an awesome brain. Right? Um, but also, let's talk a little bit. I mean, I know you guys aren't performing, but when you're reading aloud in class, so if you do, we talked about iambic pentameter heartbeat, right? Da-dum, da-dum, da-dum. So if you get to the end of a line, that's where you can take a wee little breathy. Right. So it's so that you can continue on to the next line, but you're continuing the movement forward. So it isn't like on the forefinger of an alderman. Huge breath that right. you can drive a truck through. Right. No. It's more like it's just a little sip of breath. Right. On the forefinger of an alderman drawn with a team of little atomies athwart men's noses as they lie asleep. Her wagon spokes made of long spinner's legs. Yeah, so she's just taking a quick breath at the end of each of those lines. Right, until you get to the very end. Time out of mind, the fairies' coachmakers. Good. Boom. So that's, boom, that is an end stop. And then maybe you think about the next thing. What is the next thing I want to say? So he finished describing her. And now he wants to tell about what she does. Right. Okay. And, and in this state, she gallops night by night through lovers' brains, and then they dream of love. That's you, Romeo. Or courtiers' knees that dream on court... Cur now, let's talk about this. It's spelled courtsies, but it's curtsies. Curtsies, yeah. Right. Court, it, this is the same root, courtiers and cur curtsies. Right. Um, 
and it's like the idea is courtiers have to bend over for fucking everybody you right. know right right it's right like, all the time the king walks by Ugh. take it in the ass <laughs> right. um or courtiers knees that dream on curtsies straight or lawyers fingers who straight dream on fees because they're greedy bastards or ladies lips who straight on kisses dream which off the angry mab with blisters plagues because their breaths with sweetmeats tainted are. Yeah, so uh, Mav is, you know, she doesn't like when the girls uh, dream about kisses because they're probably, they probably have been giving it away in side corners and underneath the stairs, and that is a no-no. So she plagues them with blisters, i.e. herpes sores. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. Because their breasts with sweet meats, they've been given head. Right. Yeah. Right. In the stairwell. In the stairwell. And that's not okay. That counts as sex. Hello. Yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> right. Don't let anybody... Okay, I'm not going there. <laughs> right, right. You know what I'm going to say, right. though. Yeah. I'm going to be a mother for a moment. Oh, okay. my goodness. Um, uh, <laughs> Sometimes she gallops or a courtier's nose, and then dreams he of smelling out a suit. Again, poor courtiers, and, you know, Shakespeare had some experience walking around the court and trying to figure out who am I kowtowing to next, right? Courtiers are so unsure of their place. It's just like people in the um, in the high-status, you know, circles now. It's like, who am I most going after their attention? I could further my cause by being next to them, right? Mm -hmm. Who do I want to hang out? Who of do course, I want to be seen with? Right. If I have the chance to be seen with Beyonce, I'm top fucking taking it, right? Right. Right, just because, you know, there's a picture of me somewhere on the internet of me and Beyonce, and that will elevate my status immensely. Yeah, right. right? Of course. Yeah, so these courtiers just trying to figure out their fucking game. Yeah. And sometimes comes she with a tithe pig's tail, tickling a parson's nose as lies asleep, then dreams he of another benefice. Yeah, tithe pig was like a payment. Right, we still your, tithe in church today. Yep, yeah, for your parish dues. Except and not so, with pigs. Yeah, yeah. no. <laughs> and he's, um, so Shakespeare's putting a little dig on church corruption here. There was a whole lot of that then. Of course, you know, yeah. And still is. Okay, uh, sometime she driveth o'er a soldier's neck. So there's going to be a huge section here now about soldiers. So, so he hit upon lovers and lawyers and ladies and courtiers and uh, parsons, right? Many people, different, different um, characters in daily life there. Mm -hmm. And now he's going to talk a huge amount about a soldier. And that's why we think that he was a soldier. Did you hear Benny's oh. <laughs> sigh? He's like, oh, jeez. Oh, Shut up. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, and then... Dreams he of cutting foreign throats, of breaches, ambuscados? Is that ambuscados. Ambuscados. Like ambush. Oh, oh, ambuscados. Yeah. And then dreams he of cutting foreign throats, of breaches, ambuscados. Is that right? Ambuscados. Ambuscados. Of breaches, ambuscados, Spanish blades. Yeah, so there's a lot of like talk of what is happening actually on the battlefield here, right? Breaching fortifications, ambushes, Spanish swords, but all of these are also like sort of imagery of gay sex because they're talking Spanish blades are like fancy, fancy. We get the sense that they're penises, yes, in his idea, and like breaching fortifications, right? Ambushing someone. Yeah. There's a lot of that kind of imagery because like. Guys stuck together in trenches for a long time. What are they going to do? 
you know? So besides what all the drama that's going on outside the trench, there's drama going on inside the trench that mirrors all of that stuff. And so he's reliving this in his dreams all the time. Right. Yikes. Of health's five fathom deep. And then anon drums in his ear, at which he starts and wakes, and being thus frighted, swears a prayer or two, and sleeps again. This is that very Mab. Yeah, and he's about to go into another thing about Mab, right? But, um, so healths, first of all, is a big, big, giant... To your health! Yeah! Toasts, glasses of beer, right? So, like, after all of that crazy stuff in the trench, we gotta have a few beers and forget about it, right? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you can tell that he hears the drum in his sleep all the time and wakes up, right? And then, like, (gasps) quick prayer and goes back to sleep, right? And then sleeps again, and we actually get the next period... But it's not an end stop. It's not at the end of a line. It's in the middle of a line. So the thought ends in the middle of a breath. Uh-huh. And Erin did this so beautifully. She just like, the energy went into the next thought immediately, right? This is that very map. That middle stop is actually called a caesura. Why is it called that, Diana? Because it's named after Julius Caesar. Why is Cezura. it named after Julius Caesar. Because he was an epileptic. And so he had seizures. Caesar had seizures. And so it's that quality of like getting this in the middle of a, of a line and having to then go on. Right? Mm-hmm. But it what it indicates too is that the energy, he's, his thoughts are coming fast and furious now. Right? So he's really gotten caught up in this story. He's also maybe told a little bit too much. He's talking about, about himself. himself yeah. yeah. And so he's confessed a little bit too much about what his nightmares look like, and he wants to move on. Right. Right? And so he's going to rail about Mab, and you'll see that it, he gets a little more bitter about her at this point. Yeah. yeah. So take that line and then go right into the energy of here, then. And sleeps again. This is that very Mab that plats the manes of horses in the night and bakes the elf locks in foul sluttish hairs, which once untangled, much misfortune bodes. Good. So uh, these elf locks in foul sluttish hairs was actually, he's describing dreadlocks. The kind of dreadlocks that actually happened to the poor people because they were working in the fields all the time. They get a lot of stuff tangled and matted in their hair. And they thought this was the work of elves. You know, people still say that today, hmm. right? If it's like I've heard, I've heard that when you wake up and like when little kids wake up in the morning, mothers tell will tell them, "Oh, the elves have been making knots in your hair." Oh wow! Right, that's interesting. And it was bad luck to untangle them, so people right. just walked left around them. with these and left them. Yeah. So they're not really dreadlocks; they're mats. It's we call them rat nests sometimes. Yeah, yeah, didn't yeah. we? Yeah. This is the hag when maids lie on their backs that presses them and learns them first to bear, making them women of good carriage. This is she. Yeah, so he's about to get interrupted, but hag, notice, he's like really getting bitter about her. Yeah. And he talks about how she comes in the night and actually simulates sex with young girls in their beds, you know, like pressing them into the bed and and teaching them to take it. Mm-hmm. You know, he's getting really He's mad. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this is she. He actually gets cut off now by Romeo, who's like, peace, peace, Mercutio, peace. Like, Jesus, dude, you're getting way carried away, right? And that. Thou talkst. Yes, that is. And then the next one is too. Thou talkst of nothing. True, I talk of dreams. Good. So we have actually right there 
two shared lines. So Mercutio has a piece. This is she. And then Romeo finishes, peace, peace, Mercutio, peace. He finishes his line. Mm-hmm. And then Romeo has a piece. Thou talks of nothing. True, I talk of dreams. And Mercutio finishes his line. And that's a beautiful thing because it speaks to their relationship. If you are speaking in a certain rhythm, as we talked about, the five heartbeats to a breath, and somebody takes over your rhythm, what does that say about that relationship? That you're on the same page. Yeah. That you're sharing heartbeats and breaths. And ideas, right? Yeah. So these people are very close for whatever reason. And sometimes you'll see shared lines between unlikely characters and you have to ask yourself, why? Why are they sharing a thought now? And this was new practice for Shakespeare at this point. Romeo and Juliet is where he starts to break out from his following the rules with the Henry VI plays, following the rules that everybody else follows when they're writing plays. Mm -hmm. And now he's just starting to experiment with some different things. And shared lines is a big one because he wants to give you a clue as to what this relationship is like. These two people are very, very close and love each other so much. Mm -hmm. And here he starts with it. And then in the balcony scene, which we're going to see after the Capulet Ball, there's so much of that. And he's giving you a little heads up so that you can see that when Romeo and Juliet share lines, wow, that's a match made in heaven. Right. right? So Mercutio zings him, though, doesn't he? Yeah. True, I talk of dreams. Because what did Romeo say at the whole beginning of the speech? I had a dream. I had a dream. That's his excuse for not going to the party. Right. I had a dream. And so Romeo's like, you're talking about nothing. And he's like, yeah. Like Dreams. your dream. Sucka. Nothing. Sucka. I gotcha. Uh, which that was are, a one giant gotcha. Yeah, right. <laughs> which are the children of an idle brain. You only made that excuse because you don't have any more creativity and imagination to think of better excuses. Right. Be God of nothing but vain fantasy, which is as thin of substance as the air. And more inconstant than the wind, who woos even now the frozen bosom of the north, and being angered, puffs away from thence, turning his face to the dew-dropping south. Dude, so I'm going to unpack that. Um, he's probably talking about Romeo wooing the frozen north, right? The frozen Rosalind. Right. <laughs> the ice queen Rosalind. Ice queen. And being angered, so he's like, he was embarrassed, he was shamed, his red, you know, his face is red. Puffs away from thence, turns away, and then turning his face to the dew dropping south. English people lived in the north, right? right? Where it was cold and, and reasonable wet. and wet. <laughs> no, and they and they blamed all of their diseases and all of their mishaps on people from the southern countries. Does this sound familiar? Yes, Civil War studiers. People from the southern countries are the problem. Well, also <laughs> right now, right yeah. now in our world, right now, yeah, who, yeah. who gets demonized? People who live in Mexico, people who live in Guatemala, people yeah. who live right in El Salvador. Same right. thing. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. We're still doing it today. We don't learn. We don't learn. No. So they blame them. They blame them for a venereal disease, right? And so the dew dropping south is like the southern parts, his penis, that's dropping dew. It's dribbling because it's infected. Infected Infected. with something. But now think about this. This is exactly what I'm talking about, right? The ass cushions are going, oh, that's lovely, turning his face to the dew dropping south. Right? right? And the groundlings are going, 
he's got a disease. <laughs> yeah, and Benvolio is like, oh my God, stop there. This wind you talk of blows us from ourselves. Supper is done, and we shall come too late. He's We're going like, to miss the motherfucking party. Guys. <laughs> and then Romeo has this lovely speech, and it's full of foreshadowing. Mm -hmm. I fear too early, for my mind misgives. My mind misgives. He's like, You always have to ask yourself when you hear repeated sounds, right? We've talked about this before. So what might repeated M's be? Well, it could be delicious, but it could also be Yeah, like judgmental. Right? No, no, no. Um, my mind misgives some consequence yet hanging in the stars. Uh, see, we talked about stars before. Yeah. That was in the prologue. And now them being, you know, the deciders of our fate, mm -hmm. right? And also this word consequence stands out in the middle of all these sort of single and, you know, maybe double syllable words. We have this giant word. Mm -hmm. Boom. It kind of lands like this giant, Hello. Excuse me, pay attention. Right, Con there's going to be consequences to going to the party. Yeah. Spoiler. Some consequence yet hanging in the stars shall bitterly begin his fearful date with this night's revels and expire the term of a despised life closed in my breast by some vile forfeit of untimely death. Whew. So he's gonna, he says this night's parties are going to kill me. Right, I'm right. I'm going to die as a consequence. And you can imagine his friends, after Mercutio's speech, they've just gotten to their feet and thinking like, great, we're going, we're going to the party. And oh my God, Here he goes again. <laughs> and he looks around and he sees them and he's like, oh, sorry guys, <laughs> sorry. And then he regains his, he's like, okay, finally, we're going to go. But he, capital H, yeah, he's putting his life in God's hands now. But he that hath the steerage of my course, who steers me on my way, direct my sail. On, lusty gentlemen. So I want to stop because I want to talk about this, right? So we talked about how when Shakespeare puts an apostrophe D, he wants you to say despised. But if he puts an E-D, it's despised, right? So you, you can figure out how the line is to be read by using your iambic pentameter, by using your heartbeat. Of a despised life closed in my breast. Yeah. So it wouldn't Instead work. Of, of a despised life closed in my breast. Yeah. See how it doesn't work? It doesn't work. It's awkward. And right? sometimes he uses that to tell you something. Like a, a line can be sure to beat. A line can have... A beat over, two beats over, sometimes three beats over. Yeah. And that tells you something about what he wants you to get from that line. But in this case, that's not true. I think it's just Romeo elongating the time again. Right? Yeah, right. I don't yeah. want to go. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I, I know go. this precipitates my death, so I don't want to go. But my friends are counting on me, so I'm putting my life in God's hands. Let's go and drink. Here I go. Here I go. But he knows. Yeah. He does know. So he has these moments of incredible, um, you know, insight, insight mm -hmm. which is beautiful. Yeah. And he is a beautiful character. Not that, you know, he's been a bummer so far, but he's going to be made better by his better half. Right. I don't love Romeo. I'm sorry. Yeah. I know a lot That's of people okay. do love him. I don't love him. I love Juliet. Yeah. 
Juliet's an amazing character. Yeah, I don't. I, she's the only person in this play who who I go, yeah, right, yeah. The rest of them, I'm like, are you fucking morons? Yeah, but they find the thing together. Yeah. So I have to give him that. But I. But even. <sighs> <laughs> you know, as we go forward, every choice he makes, you is, know, is, is destructive. Is destructive. Yeah. Exactly, Benny. Did you hear he him sigh? He sigh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm Diana. I'm Erin. Erin. Uh, what? What? You're you're an errant Erin. I am an errant Erin. <laughs> okay. And this, this is, is Fuck Shakespeare. Shakespeare. <laughs> For additional fun shit from Fuck Shakespeare. You can head to our website, fckshakespeare.com, or find us on Instagram, at fckshakespeare. If you are enjoying this podcast, you could support us for as little as 99 cents per month. Just click the support button on the page on Spotify or Anchor and tell your friends.